0: The Special Focus, with Zahid Jadwat. I'm gravely concerned that the DA, as i is no longer the DA that has emerged out of this weekend's federal council. The DA no longer represents the party that is able to achieve what I desire most, a movement that can save South Africa. It is for this reason that I've called this press conference today to announce my resignation from
1: the D.A. Uh, Democratic Alliance effective 27th November 2019.
0: There does come a time when leaders must step back from all noise and conjunction and make a sober and honest assessment as to what the future indeed does for. And I've spent the last few days doing exactly that alongside with my wife. And in the end, we've come to the conclusion that despite my best efforts, perhaps the deer is not the best vehicle which is suited to take forward the vision of building one South Africa. And therefore, it is with great sadness that in order to continue this fight for the vision I strongly believe in, the country I so dearly love, I will today step down as leader of the deer. A very busy week. That's what it's been, especially for the Democratic Alliance. They've been seeing resignations in quick succession. You've heard Musi Maimani, Herman Mashaba, Athol Trollope. And, I mean, four senior officials have resigned in just a short space of time. That just shows that there has to be something beyond this drama. That's, and that's exactly what we're trying to find out today. So to unpack this for us um, on the special focus, we have Mr. Herman Pretorius of the Institute of Race Relations on the line. Good day, Mr. Pretorius, once again, and welcome to the show.
1: Thank you very much for
0: having me on. Indeed, now, Mr. Pretorius, as we've noticed over the last week or so, at least four senior members of the DA have chosen to ditch the party. The most notable resignation being that of Musi Maimane, and M- Mr. Memani himself saying that the Democratic Alliance perhaps isn't the best vehicle to drive South Africa forward. So, can you help us understand how did the party even get to this point? <laughs>
1: Well, actually, you know, um, you can uh, you can look at this from a very long term view. Actually, um, in 1999, the Democratic Party, the DP, the forerunner party of the Democratic Alliance, became the op- uh, official opposition in Parliament um, under Tony Leon's leadership, and then uh, grew again in 2004. And during that time. An analysis took hold that the Democratic Party, which later became the Democratic Alliance, of course, um, wouldn't be able to grow further uh, without attracting black voters and that black voters could only be attracted by, let's uh, call it, uh, a measure of identity politics, a me- measure of, of, of race Based politics. So the party, about 20 years ago already, started thinking along what I would call dangerous lines of trying to win over black voters um, by catering to them based on their skin color and nothing else. So that's uh, one uh, way of looking at it and, and understanding that Mr. Maimane's leadership became a project. To attract black voters. Now, that's um, whether that's completely fair or not. You know, it's 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 up for debate. But I definitely think there's some merit in it. But whether it goes back to then and whether it's a more recent phenomenon, I think one thing we can definitely say is that the party made a fundamental judgment error in thinking that South African politics are more uh, race-based than values and principles-based. If you look at polling data, You see that South Africans aren't these race-obsessed Twitter trolls that I think it is very easy for politicians and the media to think we are. And I think the Democratic Alliance and its forerunner parties made the mistake of thinking that by electing a leader of a specific group – that leader would carry that group. And I think if you can go even further back to the election of uh, Funsel Slobbert as the leader of the progressives, uh, the, I think the Progressive Federalist Party, an Afrikaner, they thought would attract the Afrikaner vote to the uh, to the party. And it didn't. And the same mistake was made with thinking that Mr. Maimane, by, um, Dr. Samadora Fikini of UNISA uses this wonderful phrase. He says the DA microwaved young black leaders into prominent positions so as to seek to attract the black vote. And just as Friedrich von slobber didn't attract the Afrikaner vote to the party, um, Mr. Maimane failed to attract the black vote to the party and i think it's because the party made the mistake of thinking that voters are you know the voting cattle that vote on the basis of the leader's skin color and not necessarily on the politics and then uh over many years the democratic alliance was able to grow each election and uh if you continue to grow and you have some measure of success as a political party, I think you can use that to paper over a lot of the cracks within the coalition that any political party necessarily is. Mm. So for a long time, these cracks were there, and I think there were these fundamental mistakes and almost um, profound weaknesses. But as long as the party was quote-unquote, winning in some way, these mistakes wouldn't boil to to the surface. But then, of course, in May this year, that changed. The party went backwards, and in every by-election since, well, not every by-election since, but in a slew of by-elections since, one uh, gets the understanding that the party has lost about 20 the centre of its support. And based on this, the bad electoral performance in May this year, Mr Maimani mandated the Kutsia panel, consisting of Ryan Kutsia, Tony Leon, and Mahir LaRue, to, to look into the party's performance and, and establish the reasons for the less satisfactory electoral performance. And that panel then recently published their report, and one of the main findings was that Mr. Mane, Mr. Maimane's leadership uh, failed the party in several ways. So... Uh, that's the very long answer to how the DA got here, mm. is it made a few errors of judgment as to what, what the basis of South African politics is, and then it um, it failed to grow. And that failure to grow really, I think, was the catalyst for the change we see happening.
0: Hmm. And if we look how senior black members of the DA, you have, for example, Lindiwe Mazibuko, and now we have Musi Maimane, how they resign after speedy ascensions. What can this tell us about being black in the DA?
1: Well, I think it, what, what what it can tell us about being black in the DA is that if you want to be a successful, prominent figure within the Democratic Alliance, a liberal party, Perhaps it would be a good idea to be a liberal. Uh, you see, the thing is, an R.W. Johnson uh, in a piece for Politics Web yesterday or the day before—I you know, can't exactly remember the day—but makes a brilliant point that if you if you buy into classical liberalism, uh, non-racial classical liberalism, or uh, then you can then. then you won't be playing the race card in terms of failure because you do not blame a race for failure. Mm -hmm. However, we see with um, Lundiwa Mazibuko and Mushi Maimani, the moment they failed, they immediately played the race card. So... The, the 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 tragedy i think of this whole microwaving of young black leaders for the sake of getting black leaders and not necessarily for the sake of getting good liberal leaders the the tragedy of that is it set these young black leaders up for failure uh, to 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 occupy a position of leadership you need a lot of skills you need and and experience and conviction and you know it it's, it's not something that you can at the age of 30 or, or 27 or 31 just you know become the leader of a huge party and i don't think it's ageist or whatever uh, the 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 new term for referring to someone's age i don't think it's ageist to say that a young person isn't always equipped be an effective leader of a party. It's a difficult job. And these people were young and inexperienced, but because they were black and because it seemed that they bought into the philosophy of the democratic alliance, I think they were, well, not I think, I think it's very clear that they were microwaved into these positions. And I don't think that was good or healthy. I think uh, there's a large measure of outsider syndrome that might kick in. Um, and I've spoken to many people who, who, who experience the same thing with race quotas. If you occupy a position based on the color of your skin and not on the merit of your capacity, then it's a very easy to feel insecure in that position and not to be able to exert the authority of that position or that should be, go part and parcel with that position. So these young black leaders really had the odds stacked against them in a very, very cruel way. Mm. And I think it what it tells you about being black in the DA is it tells you that Your skin colour in the DA shouldn't matter, but up until now, and hopefully that changes, but up until now the DA has made the fundamental error of playing race politics rather than principle values-based politics.
0: And just quickly getting back to the the resignations that took place this week, Um, what impact have the resignations or what impact could they have on the party in the future?
1: Well, I think in, in in a in a in moments of crisis, uh, there's really uh, an opportunity for change and for positive change. So it could be, like many in the media are saying, the complete unraveling of the party. But I don't believe that to be the case. I think um, this could genuinely be. The moment of change, the moment of truth, the moment the Democratic Alliance goes away from being quote unquote ANC light and back to being what an opposition party should be a party that opposes the fundamental governing philosophy of the government.
0: Mm. So, is there sort of a minute possibility of Helen Zeller being back at the top position for a full term once the scramble settles? And how does it serve the DA to have Helen back in the top spot, especially given that the troubles being based ostensibly mostly on racial conflict?
1: You know, I think there's absolutely zero chance of of Helen uh, again be, becoming leader in any official. Uh, capacity. She is, I think, de facto uh, um, at the head of the party currently. Uh, And I think that's just a a, a happenstance of hierarchy. But uh, I really don't think Helen will will, uh, put her name forward uh, to lead the party. I think she understands that would not, I think, play well with voters necessarily. Mm -hmm. Um, So... Yes, no, I I think um, Helen returned to the party because she was asked, uh, she decided to stand, and and, and she won. But uh, that's for the position of federal uh, or chairperson of the federal council. I do not think there's any real possibility of having her at the head of the party leading it. But to have her experience, um, going back to this whole idea of experience and leadership, to have her experience in such a prominent leadership role, to have the experience of someone uh, with Decades within this party, I genuinely think there's a it, it, it'll help the, the the party to navigate these troubled times um, it, by having at least you know uh, someone near the top who have gone through very difficult waters.
0: Mm. So now, just going quickly to the Twitter comments here, Shadola Revelation says. It serves them right. The DA won, not fu- was not found on principle of non-racialism, so it remains a white party period. Helen Ziller is a liability, but the DA chooses to look away and not confront the issue. And now, however, on the other hand, Sam Rapow t- tweets, That's a good road to travel for Helen. Maimani made a remarkable decision that will rebuild the country. Your, your comments?
1: The idea that the DA is a white party is absolute nonsense. It's it's really it's, it's so convenient. It's it's the race card being played all over again. If you genuinely look at the voting data, the DA is the most racially diverse party of all there's 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 absolutely no question about it being a, a, a white party and there's no question about it being going it, it going back to a white party this is the party that goes all the way back if you if you trace the line from uh party change to party change to Helen susman you know a woman who was in parliament for 36 years and who fought against apartheid often on her own the idea that because it started, uh, you know, with, with with prominent white members and and still has prominent white members, the idea that it's somehow a white party—it's it's it's such convenient racism to think that a political party because it has white members and prominent white figures within it, it must be a white interest party. Uh, the the problem with that kind of thinking really is it it. it you can you can go back to fervort uh, with that fervort had the the, the idea of the Bantustan. Um, the Homelands policy was basically that white leaders can only act in the interests of white people. Black leaders can only act in the interests of black people. Therefore, we need to separate them geographically. You know, the, the idea that if you have a white leader, you're a white party, or if you're a black leader, you're a black party, is, is it, it's so demeaning to the average South African voter who really cares about this country and more about this country than about their own skin color that it it cheapens any form of criticism and if you go to the merit of the case helen managed to grow the party to its highest point in any national election so if she's this great liability then explain to me how she managed to grow the party from the low 10% to you know the low 20%. These thing, these insults, these accusations, these arguments don't check out and they are made by people who've never voted DA and who will never vote DA.
0: And just on that note now, an interesting question that arises is should we or should we not include race in certain policies or should all policies just be colorblind? I think that's one of the core issues which have contributed to DA squabbles um, given the racial um basis of it
1: absolutely absolutely i think you're very right that is probably the core issue the democratic alliance has, has grappled with now this is i think one must be very careful when wording uh one's position here especially as a classical liberal like myself um It's not that race isn't important in South Africa. No one is saying that. This is a country that has had 300 years of race determining societal success. This is a country that has gone through a brutal regime of uh racial classification and this is a country that even after democracy non-racial democracy has arrived still grapples and still implements race-based politics no one is saying race doesn't matter this idea that you shouldn't see race is not something that anyone actually argues when they are classically liberal uh, liberals or liberally inclined so the, the question isn't about ignoring race. It is about going and being honest, saying race-based politics have got us into this mess. It has got us into a position when we're of vast inequality, of vast disadvantage, and, and that's absolutely racial. The tragedy of our history is that you cannot get away from the cruel social-economic effect of race-based politics. But the question is now, after almost 30 years of race-based policies aimed at redress, we kind of have to ask ourselves why... We're not making progress as a country as quickly as we should be making it. There has been progress, of course. Numerically, the black middle class is now larger than the white middle class, and that should be welcomed. But that's just not good enough. We need policies that will work to uplift People acknowledging disadvantage, acknowledging um, what they have suffered under previous dispensations, but this whole idea of uh, you know using race as a proxy for disadvantage—why on earth do you need a proxy? It's very easy to identify disadvantage on its own. You don't need a proxy, because what has actually happened now with race being a proxy for disadvantage is someone like Cyril Ramaphosa. If you take race, is he's a black man and his race is a proxy for a disadvantage, and yet he is the most powerful man in the country. He is a multi. Millionaire, billionaire even. I mean, where is his disadvantage now? The idea that he, because of his race, that the color of his skin is somehow a proxy for his disadvantage and that uh, he therefore deserves continual uh, redress redress advantages, it it just doesn't make sense. If you want to address disadvantage, Address disadvantage. It really is as simple as that. And I really hope the DA can now learn that, uh, learn from their mistakes, because the, the, the sad thing is they, Moussimai by in, Mane, by indulging even further in identity politics, he wanted to attract the black vote. Now, this, in, in 2014, under Helen Ziller's leadership, the DA received 3.8% of the black vote. Under Mushima leadership in 2019, they received 4% of the black vote. So the growth of the black vote for the Democratic Alliance wasn't substantial. South Africans aren't racist. South Africans are common sense people who want policies that work.
0: Now, earlier this month, of course, you wrote um, wrote quite a controversial article suggesting that Maimani step down and make way for Alan Wender to take over. Now, this obviously ruffled feathers, and so do you take any credit for Maimani's resignation? No, no, no,
1: no, no, not at all. I I, I wish I could. It would look very nice on a CV, but... (laughs) Uh, I, I genuinely think that these are these the the events of and and my role in the events of the past few weeks have been uh, you know very serendipitous in terms of delivering quote unquote results.
0: Mm. And now, given all of this drama unfolding in the Democratic Alliance, who could be the kingmakers of this drama? Who benefits?
1: Who benefits? Well, it depends on what happens next. Um, a lot of people can benefit. The party can benefit if they make the correct choices in terms of regaining um, electoral credibility. The country can benefit by, for for the first time in about 20 years, having a political party, actually, or an official opposition, actually opposing not just the you know the the, the details of policy, but the fundamental philosophy of government. Um, The voters can benefit by having a new party or a reinvigorated party based on non-racial liberalism, free markets, freedom uh, uh, to vote for. However, if the party makes the wrong decisions going forward, if it doesn't learn from its mistakes, then it could be the ANC that benefits, it could be the EFF that benefits, it could be the Freedom Front Plus that benefits, um, electorally at least, by people writing off the DA as a party of such intense schizophrenia that it is impossible to vote for. So, at this point, it's very, very, very difficult to say, but If the next few months deliver, uh, I think, an an ideologically resuscitated liberal, non-racial, pro-market party, then uh, it can can benefit the country at large. If not, it will be politically beneficial to the political opponents of the Democratic Alliance.
0: And of course, in the midst of this DA crisis, so to say, there have been reports that your organization, the A I R I R R, may have interfered in the DA's affairs and people positioning you as kingmakers of the DA crisis. What is your response to these claims?
1: Um, Let me take those two claims, the interference one and the kingmakers one. The interference one, we welcome. Uh, We've been interfering in the affairs of political parties, of governments, of business. uh, We've been interfering for 90 years now. And we interfere because we serve the interests of the South African people through the expansion of classical liberalism. That is what think tanks do. They seek to interfere. Think tanks aren't apathetic philosophers sitting stoically on the sidelines analyzing the rise or fall of their country. No, think tanks are ideologically driven interferers, busybodies that will not settle for anything other than their recipe for an improved nation. So interference, yes, we absolutely seek to interfere. And if people in the DEA complain about our interference, then I have to ask why they didn't complain, why why they don't complain when we interfere in the ANC, to let go of idiotic policies like the NHI or prescribed assets or expropriation without compensation. We interfere. That's the nature of what we do, and we interfere Proudly, it is because of our interference 10 years, in 10 years ago that the Mbeki government did not pursue expropriation without compensation. It is because of our interference that expropriation without compensation did not become a reality in 2017 and 2018 it is because of our interference that more than 50000 people have signed up against the nhi and submitted submissions to the minister of health to oppose the nhi we interfere and we interfere proudly that is what we do and that is what we will continue to do and if that makes uh, if that makes the lives of few politicians Uncomfortable. I'm afraid they're going to have to live with that uncomfortability. Something, something, something heat. Something, something, something kitchen. But on the kingmaker situation, um, I'll unfortunately have to deny that. As, as, uh, as fantastic, and as um, you know. Wonderful as it might seem that we can pick and choose the leaders of the DA, um, that we can you know play back these in, in, in the dark recesses of our offices, sit beneath clouds of cigar smoke, drinking whiskey, and you know throwing darts at, uh, at 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 the faces of people we think should leave the party or become leader. That's that's unfortunately just not the case. Um, these these past few weeks have been fascinatingly coincidental in delivering um, the objectives of uh, the IRR's general principle of pursuing classical liberalism, especially within the DEA. So unfortunately, even though I wish we could take the credit as, and, and call ourselves kingmakers, we can't.
0: Mm. And now back to Musi Maimani and Herbert Mashaba. also he was the first to resign this week. Now, what could their future hold? Are they strong enough and likely enough to perhaps form their own breakaway party, as has happened with Patricia Adelal, for example?
1: Um, I won't be surprised at all. I won't be surprised at all. Mr Mashaba enjoyed his time as a... Uh, as a mayor, whatever he might say, it, it, it was clear to many people I spoke to who worked with him that he uh, he enjoyed the position. Perhaps not the job, but he enjoyed the position. And Lucima uh, I've got no idea what else he's going to do now, so I won't be surprised at all if a political party is in the making. But w- with Patricia Lille, you have the interesting situation that she had already had. A political party, the Independent Democrats, so she could almost, as it were, resuscitate uh, governing or oh, no, not a governing, but a, a political identity or coalition of some kind. With Mr. Maimane and Mr. Mashaba, I see a few problems. Firstly, who would their constituency be? Um, what can what would a Mashaba Maimane party offer voters? Not that that isn't currently. Available from other political parties. And secondly, just administratively, practically, who will lead that party? Will it be Mr. Mashaba or will it be Mr. Maimane? If Mr. Mashaba doesn't lead, why on earth should he take his powerful brand to a new party that he won't lead? If Mr. Ma- if, if Mr. Maimane doesn't lead, that's, that's an incredibly embarrassing climb down from being the leader of the opposition to being the second in command of a minor brand new party. So um, I, with it, uh, while it is very, very possible that they might establish such a party – I don't see much, uh, you know, uh, appetite in the country for it, nor much chance of it being a success.
0: And finally, just before I let you go now, what would be the way forward for the Democratic Alliance? What could they do to rectify the mistakes, move on and rebuild the party and regain the confidence of the electorate?
1: Um, The IRR Save the Opposition campaign sums this up neatly. Five points of advice. Get rid of racism in the party. Get rid of corruption in the party. Get rid of all forms of race-based politics and policies. End the alliance with the EFF and elect good leaders. Within the next few months, the DA will have the opportunity to do all of those. And if they follow our advice, they will will find themselves a reinvigorated, resuscitated, re-energized political party.
0: Thank you so much, Mr. Herman, once again for joining us on the show. It's been an absolute pleasure. Thank you. And unfortunately, that's where we're going to have to leave it for today. That was Mr. Herman Pretorius of the Institute for Race Relations speaking to us about the crisis or so-called crisis in the Democratic Alliance. Thank you so much for listening. Remember that you can send your comments and feedback on WhatsApp to zero seven eight two zero two four one six one, And you can find me on Twitter at Zahid Jadwit, Z-A-H-I-D-J-A-D-W-A-T. I can't wait to connect with you. Goodbye.